everyone, you're listening to the My Modern Met Top Artist Podcast. I'm your host, art historian and My Modern Met contributing writer, Jessica Stewart, here with you every other Wednesday to go in depth with some of our favorite artists. Today we'll be chatting with traveling photographer Richard Silver. He's traveled to over 350 cities, and we were lucky enough to pin him down to talk about his late in life transition into full-time photography, as well as his incredible Vertical Churches series. That particular portfolio of work sees Silver visiting churches around the world and taking vertical panoramas of their interiors. The result is an unorthodox look at church architecture that allows us to drink in every detail of the design. We'll also chat with Richard about how he's used his extended time back in the U.S. due to the coronavirus to put together a book about vertical churches, as well as his advice to others looking to make a career change. Take a listen. So Richard, it's great to have you on the podcast. We're so happy to chat with you. You know, we're big fans of your work. So welcome. Happy to be here. So to dive in, you know, you're born and bred Brooklynite, but you are an avid traveler. You've been to nearly 100 countries, over 350 cities. So my big question to start with is what has it been like these past few months due to COVID when you've been sort of tied down to, to one place? Challenging is uh, an understatement. <laughs> I, I actually had a plan to come back to the States and sit down at my desk for a while anyway. So my plan was to redo my website because I wanted to set it up properly that it can be a complete shopping site. And I realized I was having issues because I was traveling so much. I didn't think I would be traveling for as many years as I was. So for me, I wanted to set up my site that as I travel, people can just go go on my website and purchase photos. So that took me a little while to do and set up. And then the other thing was I wanted to finish working on, or what did I say, start working on a vertical church book mm-hmm. that I would, um, it was in the back of my mind for a lot of years. And now I know that I had enough work to complete the book. And that took me a few months to do. And I'm glad that, you know, I had the downtime and sort of forced into the downtime to do it. Okay. So in the end, it actually ended up being uh, at least, you know, somewhat fortuitous coincidence that you had these things to do. And we're going to chat about your book for sure. Um, Looking at your work, it really seems as though you enjoy challenging people's perception of space. So when we look at your Tilt Shift series, where you photograph famous landmarks like Machu Picchu or the Brooklyn Bridge made them look almost like little miniature um, spaces or even with time slices where, you know, you have multiple images of the same composition taken over time and then sort of sliced together into one frame. And of course, vertical churches, which we'll spend some time chatting about um, shortly. So I'm just curious to know what sort of drew you to this way of, mm, I guess you could say, quote unquote, manipulation of space or wanting to get these unique perspectives. Well, when I first, I've been taking photographs for, I don't know, 30 some odd years, probably even more. And I I always was, I don't know, I always wanted to see things a little differently through photography. I always felt like photography was a way of expressing yourself um, visually in something different. I don't, I I guess I can't even, it's difficult for me to put into words, but I always wanted to and always saw photography in a different visual way than just you take a picture, that's what it is. Because to me, it never sure. really was that. There's always something else to it. So I saw Olivio Bobby, uh, Bobbieri, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong, a, a fantastic mm-hmm. Italian photographer. He did a series on tilt shift, and I learned how to do that style of photography without using an actual tilt shift lens, 
which gives you that perspective of miniaturizing um, the focal points and playing tricks on with your eyes. It's great. It's, right. it's an amazing lens to use for architecture because it straightens out the lines and takes away the. It, it gives you the perfect uh, line linear perspective of architecture. But it, again, for tilt shift, it gives you the uh, the option to play tricks on people's eyes and make things mostly people miniature. And it took me a while to do that. And that's what put me on the map. I was recognized by uh, this company called Loomis. Loomis Galleries, a German-based company. I started working with them back in 2006. And that's when I started becoming more professional, learning my trade better. And then I came up with Time Slice, which I was inspired by a, photography call, a photographer called Stephen Wilkes. His work is just, yeah, it, it's spectacular. It's, yeah, he does some great stuff. It, it's amazing. I mean, National Geographic photographer, cover of many, many magazines. Just, just an amazing, and a great guy. So I met him at, a, at mm -hmm. a speaking engagement. And I didn't want to do exactly what he did to capture a full hour, day, sunrise, sunset in a single photograph. So I came up with my own way of slicing them together. And mm -hmm. I'm very happy with that work. And that was back in probably like 2013 or 2012, about the same time that I figured out how to do my vertical church series was about 2012 also. So I've been doing both those series for a lot of years now. So vertical churches, which we've mentioned a few times, I want to get touch on that. You know, this is great series of vertical panoramas inside churches around the world, which is just an incredible set of images. And I'm curious how you got the idea for these indoor panoramas, because, you know, most of us were used to panoramas as being horizontal and beautiful landscapes and don't really think to use actually panoramas for anything else. So, so the first time that I came up with the idea, I was walking around New York. New York is such a great, I, I love, for, uh, my architecture is my favorite type of photography and New York is a great place to live. Yes. So you just, I was just walking around. I walked into this one church. Uh, I forgot what, which the first church was, but the ceiling was painted and it was absolutely gorgeous. And I wanted to try to capture it in a photo. So I just started literally playing around. So I started shooting from the pew and just worked my way back and capturing the ceiling. And I figured, I don't know, I'd try a panorama. I literally almost pulled out my back because I didn't realize that I could just <laughs> physically turn around and then the camera, or should I say Photoshop, ah. I went from front to back I guess if you could picture me leaning backwards with my camera. Um, and then I realized I could just turn around and then Photoshop will correct it in, um, in its beauty. And I started playing with it and working on it until I figured out how to do it properly. And I just, I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> And so how early into that project did you realize that, you know, this is something that could be really big? Because, I mean, it's obviously been a series that you've been doing for a long time and it's gotten you a lot of great press and recognition. I mean, was there a moment where you were like, oh, I've really stumbled onto something? Well, I, I guess when, when I first played with the photo and started manipulating it in Photoshop and making it the panorama work, because um, in the beginning, it, was, it wasn't connecting properly through Photoshop. But once I got it, I, me as a, as a viewer also, I, I appreciated the beauty of the photos and what I was able to accomplish. And I just started going out as much as I could to try to capture 
as many churches as I can to see if it actually worked on a consistent basis. Because mm. sometimes you take a picture and it works one way and you take it in a similar sim uh, scene and it doesn't work the same, but it started working. Yeah, I mean, the images are really striking because they're almost, if you think of the top of these churches like a spine and you're sort of opening them up and seeing them all at the same time, which is difficult to do because when you go into this type of architecture, obviously churches are made to be very grand and almost overwhelming. So it's almost hard to sort of take it all in at once. Yet with the photos, you're really able to, to do that and really appreciate the details. I mean, personally, as an art historian, church architecture has always fascinated me. It's because as for most of history, the major architectural developments were in churches and yeah living in Rome. I'm always popping into churches to check out the interiors. You know, um, a lot of people sometimes have a hard time maybe separating the religion and faith and what they feel about that from the actual architecture itself. I'm curious about what is it particularly about churches that fascinates you? I mean, you mentioned you are really into architecture, but you know, why churches? Why not some other interior? Well, well for me, it's, 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 it encapsulates everything that I love. So it's history, it's architecture, it's travel. So each church shows its own saints in a local basis. Historically speaking, like you just mentioned, that the greatest advances in architecture, especially in the Middle Ages, was churches. They were able to build um, sort of the, the skyscrapers. If you go through any place in small town Europe, even in small town America, almost small towns around the world where it's Christians, um, the biggest, tallest standout building, and architecturally speaking, is the church. You know the town by the church steeples. Even Brooklyn. Brooklyn was known as um, the, the borough of churches. And when all the buildings were, I don't know, two to three stories, there was always a church that you could see. So for me, it always stood out in my life, architecturally speaking, I'm from Brooklyn, and when I travel, I always look for the standout. So when I travel, I go to each city. I constantly look and do my research before I go. I want to see what the best architecture, be it modern, be it ancient, be it beautiful. I want to, I want to see it all, and I want to try to photograph it all. And most of the time, the standout architecture is are the churches and the religious iconics. Right. And it's the most amount of money was put in for beautiful beauty. And then the the stained glass, the lighting, mm -hmm. it's just, to me, I'm, I'm not a very religious person, but it's, you do get a great feeling of serenity when you do go into a church. So no matter what your religion. I think that's very true. And it, it really is fascinating when you look at the different interiors and how they are so expressive, expressive of different cultures, you know, um, looking at the book, which we're going to now sort of shift to, you've been working on the Vertical Church's book and were kind enough to send me uh, a proof of that. So I was flipping through and it was really interesting to see the, the visual differences between the churches in Australia and Africa and Asia and North America, and even just the time periods. I mean, a, a church in California built in the 80s is certainly going to have a very different feel than a church in Munich built in, you know, 1430 or, or what have you. So it's a real interesting, um, it's a real interesting walk sort of across our different cultures. So this book 
nearly 200 pages. It's broken down by continent. And I mean, just looking at the map, it's incredible because you've actually been to all of those places. So tell us a little bit about this project. I know you said you you sort of had already planned on settling down a little bit to to work on it. And what has this process been like? Because I know you've been working on it yourself without a publisher to begin with, as happens to a lot of people. So tell us a little bit about the process of putting this book together. So the first thing I knew that I, <laughs> I've never done a book before, and I needed to hire someone. I need to hire a book designer. And I, I went through many different websites and try to find someone who's professional enough and the price is enough that's fair for me to, to make the investment to get the book designed. And the one site that I found was this company called Reedsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y, which is mm-hmm. great for anybody looking to do all, to, all kinds of publishing. And I found this, this fantastic book designer, Dominique, and working with her, she knew I got very lucky anyway. Um, and also the difference for what I decided to do, I decided to go with a, a unique layout format, which was in a two to one format. So I wanted to stick with a large coffee table size book. And I went with seven inches by 14 inches. It's not in stone yet. I'm mm-hmm. open to suggestion, but, <laughs> most, but most publishers and most self-publishing companies do not work in this size. They don't work in this size. So I'd have to find somebody outside of the regular realm to do it if I needed to self-publish. And I'm still um, looking for publishers. If anybody knows a publisher out there, contact me. There you go. Exactly. What was the process of culling the images that would actually go into the book? Because I imagine you have probably even more than what ended up in here. And I know sometimes it can be hard when it's your own work to really be objective or to know what to cut or not. Did you have any help with that? Or what was your selection process? So for some of the, some of the continents, it was kind of easy, like Australia, Africa. Um, I, I didn't have a tremendous amount of uh, churches from those two continents. So I pretty much used almost every one that I've been to. Europe, uh, I have hundreds. I have hundreds. (laughs) You know, literally just between Italy, all of Italy and just London, just those two, and Paris. Oh, my goodness. I had so many churches. Um, I went with the best quality, maybe not the biggest Mm -hmm. names. So that's the thing also. A lot of my book doesn't have a lot of big name churches because all the churches that I ended up with, there were no people in the photos. And that was impossible Mm -hmm. in um so many of the big name churches like that's true yeah so in new york st patrick's cathedral is is probably the biggest name church out of all the in the book and that one i'm honored to be able to say that they contacted me through twitter to come to Hmm. photograph they just renovated the, the church about like four years ago five years ago they finished a huge renovation they asked me to come after the church closed and shoot it when no one's there at, for them. Amazing. Yeah, it was it was such an honor. And to have the church to myself, it's absolutely perfection. They did such a oh, wonderful sure. job. Yeah. So well, it's a good point you brought up. I didn't really think about that. That yes, obviously when you look at the pictures, it's clear there are no there are no people in them. So are you just typically going in during regular opening hours or off hours and hoping that, you know, there might not be that many people in? Are you, are you getting permissions and trying to get them to give you a slot? How are you? 
All right, so so it's a multiple multiple answers. So the first thing is, I would say I probably have uh, in the, probably about four hundred photos of churches around the world. I would say I've probably visited um, five hundred and change, at least a hundred that I at least that I was not able to. They were not open. Um, they only mm-hmm. open on Sundays, or I was not allowed yeah. at all to take photographs in any matter whatsoever. So that's those are gone. The next is many of the photos that are in the book, there were people in the original photos. So through the magic of Photoshop, I was able to get rid of them. You know, there's, it's great. Photoshop is fantastic for that. Um, but like um, St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah, that's a lot of people to Photoshop out. <laughs> La Sagrada Familia, the Duomo in Milan. It's just. Right. It's impossible, impossible to get rid of that. I, that's not the right way to not get rid of, to take them out, manipulate them out of the yeah. photo. But yeah, I try, I've always tried to go on off hours. And listen, churches are functioning religious uh, buildings. And I do not want to be rude to anyone. And I, I try to be as inconspicuous as possible, you know, when the time is right. And yeah, a lot of times... I did get lucky when nobody was in there, and it's fantastic. It's really, it's really, churches are fantastic places to have to yourself. They're quiet. It's just you yeah. and the beauty of the of the churches, the interiors, and it's you know some of them, most of them have a certain smell and a feel to them. Yes. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just you. They are certainly peaceful spaces. Absolutely. I mean, as they were they were intended to be, and. That can be, those sort of peaceful spaces can be difficult to find in this day and age. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. And and the thing is about churches that you forget is, so many of the churches, they're telling you a story. So most people, when they were built in the earlier parts of the, I don't know, from, I guess, the fourth century, probably till even the 18th century, that many churches tell a story because people weren't able to read. So they're telling you the story of Jesus and historically speaking, and it's, it's a story through beautiful pictures, stained glass, paintings. And that's just another part of the beauty of this type of, you know, architecture. Now that you mention it, it's sort of nice that there, it's not just a book of all the big name churches, because I think when you look at the images and how stunning they are, it makes you realize that there are so many other places besides, yes, of course, the Sagrada Familia and St. Peter's and the Duomo, those are all exceptional. But it really does go to show that there's so much incredible architecture in those small, tiny spaces that you may not be thinking to to visit. Yeah. Um, and especially when you look at some of the some of the places pictured, you know, um, in Indonesia or uh, yeah, like Asia. Like you wouldn't think like Christianity is so big in Asia, mm. but it but it is. It's it's really you know. It's really big, and some of and some of the again some of the churches through just everywhere are just it's fascinating to me. It, I really enjoy doing what I do. Do you have any favorite standouts of yours? I know that's a loaded question, but you know, it doesn't have to be. Oh, this is my favorite picture, but maybe just a nice memory you have attached to it, or something that makes it significant for you. So the story about Saint Saint Patrick's was one. Yeah. But I, I would say, you know, as I was, as I'm thinking right now, one of the saddest ones. So the um, there's um, 
Serbian Orthodox Church on West 26th Street in Manhattan. And I was lucky enough that I found the father that was in charge and he allowed me to go in when no one was there. He turned the lights on for me and it was a beautiful experience to have this gorgeous church to myself. I would say about a year later, I was eating dinner two doors down from the church and I see a group of people on the street and everybody is pointing. I run outside. The church is on fire. Oh, no. What, I've ne- and honestly, I've never seen a fire like this in my life. The church burnt to the ground. Wow. But it was a Gothic church. So the stanchions, the whole base of the church was stone. But the rest of the interior of the church, the chairs, the, the pew, the, the roof, of course, all gone. And just the structure itself was left the next day. I went and I got the church, the picture that I took, printed in metal print, and I brought it to the father like a week later to give it to him so that he could see what was there. And I'm, you know, I would say that I might have the best photo of what the church looked like interior-wise than anybody. Um, and they are rebuilding it, which I, I was really surprised, but they are rebuilding the church. So that that one story was, um, yeah, wow. sad. Very well, sad. I'm sure it meant so much to them that you brought that photo back. And like you said, just shows how important that these this sort of documentation is, because you never know. I mean, we just saw Notre Dame go up in flames a couple of years ago. So anything can. That one, I, I also have Notre Dame in a photograph again with many people, many people <laughs> in, in inside so if they if they need a if they need a, a picture of what it looked like i have a couple that i can well, they just need to call them. you exactly so now that you have the design down what is what is the plan with it, this next phase of the book so i've reached out to a few publishers um I figured that some, at least one of them, of the three that I reached out to initially, one of them would be a good fit. Sure. Um, I do have a few more publishers that I'm looking to reach out to. And if that doesn't work out, I am, I've i already have two book self-publishing companies that I've, I've spoken with. And um, if I have to self-publish, I will. I'll do a Kickstarter promotion and yeah. do it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, of course, I would love to work with a publisher. That's the ultimate goal for me. And I'm sure any anybody uh, <laughs> who's looking to, to do a publishing book would love to work with a company that's going to do it. But if not, I'm going to do it on my own and do self-publishing. The great thing is that now that's such in, so in the realm of possibilities. I mean, we've written about so many books that, especially photography books that are self-published. They do a Kickstarter. So... People make their orders up front. You know what you're selling. And it, and I would think that you would have no trouble doing that if that's the route you need to go to. And in some ways, you're completely in control. No one can tell you, you know, what to do. And you've had so much great press and, and contacts that I'm sure it'll be a success. So we will definitely be on the lookout for, for the book when it comes. But I mean, doing a bold move like publishing yourself, I don't think it should come as... A big surprise for you. I mean, people may not realize, but you had a very 
um, successful career in real estate in New York City before you decided to pursue full-time photography in 2011. So, you know, do you remember what the moment was when you said, okay, I'm just really going to make a go of it? I mean, I'm sure that you were doing photography, obviously, before then. It wasn't just overnight. But what what was the thing that made it click of, I really want to do this with my life and I'm willing to leave behind what I've known before. So the company I was working with, I was trying to, uh, in real estate, you can, you can give your, so I say, give your work. You can just be a referral broker. And I tried to work that out with my company that I would refer my work and somebody would, would do all the work and I would just get a check if a deal was closing. And that would be nice. Exactly. And that's, I, I did it for, I was doing it for 11 years. So I had, a, I had a, a good work relationship with a lot of my clients, but my company wasn't on board and I wasn't looking to work with another company. Um, so I decided I was gonna take a chance and just do photography only. Yes, I gave up a lot of difference in pay compared to what I was making selling Manhattan real estate, as I'm sure, sure everybody can understand. Um, but you know, I made, I made a choice and to me i was looking for i was looking for a change i was looking for a change and i'm definitely happier much more relaxed in my life and my choices and i do not regret it the only thing I, the only thing i miss about real estate are those beautiful paychecks <laughs> <laughs> well do you think that your your love of architecture came from real estate or it was already there and real estate was just another way to appreciate architecture I, i've always loved architecture when I was mm. photographing back in the eighties and nineties, um, I was, that was, that was pretty much most of what I was fo- uh, photographing was New York architecture. Or when I traveled, that's, that's what I was taking pictures of as a, you know, as a, as a traveler, as just a visitor to uh, any country that I went to, but yeah, but well, being as a New Yorker, I was a stockbroker previous to me being a real wow. agent. Yeah. I've had a few careers. I was a, All right. I had a, a family business for 10 years. We, I, um, I sold beer, soda, water. I was mm-hmm. in that industry for 10 years. So I've done a few things. Uh, yes, a number of careers, number of careers. Wow, you're a chameleon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I mean, I'd be curious to hear your advice to people who, you know, there are a lot of people out there that would love to make a career change or feel like they're stuck or, you know, just looking for something different, but they feel like, you know, once I'm not 20 anymore, or I'm out of my 20s and 30s, I have too many responsibility, you know, there's, I can't do it, you know, what would you say to those people who feel like, once you get to a certain age, you, you can't make a big move like that? Okay, so I'm gonna brag a little right now. So <laughs> CNBC, Northwestern Mutual, and Lonely Planet, all three of those companies contacted me, I don't know which one was first, about me making a life change to do the trip that I did with Remote Year in yeah. 2017. And I, again, they all knew my background of me changing careers to become a photographer and then actually giving up my United, so to say, my normal life in the United States of to do a year of travel. I, at the time, I was 50, 55 at the time mm-hmm. when I did that. So I was the oldest person in my group. Most of the people I was traveling with were in their 20s. So mm-hmm. I did get a lot of contacts after those uh, interviews and articles from people that, you know, inspirational um, ideas for me. This is the way I look at it. 
So for me to do the year trip, that was the big thing. That was the, the thing that caught their attention. So for me, it's like, all right, I did it for a year. And what's the failure? What's the thing that, what can go wrong? So I went on the trip. It didn't work out, but at least I tried. I'm single. I've never been married. I have no children. I make my own decisions about my life. And I've never been afraid of failure. If it doesn't work out, I move on to the next thing. And that's pretty much the way that I've, that's why I've, I've had a number of careers, I guess, is because I'm not sure. afraid of, I'm not afraid of, you know, doing something wrong or just being happier or being happy. So I'm constantly looking for that. And like I said, I'm not afraid of making the wrong decision because I can handle any wrong decision. I think that's probably key because people mainly are probably held back by fear, fear of failure, fear, yeah. fear of what other people are going to think about them. And, um, you know, the philosophy of, Hey, at least I tried, if it doesn't work out, then I'll do something else and that'll be okay. I think that is probably serves you quite well. And as you said, you feel like your life has improved because of it. So it looks like you, you were good at following your instincts. Thank you. <laughs> Just because I'm curious, I love travel as well. I just want to end by asking you, where have you not been that you would like to go? Because you seem like you've been everywhere. So there must be some places on your bucket list that you are dying to go to. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at my phone. Tibet, in, <laughs> Tibet, Tibet is definitely one of them um, that I can remember off the top of my head. I do have a list of places that I want to go to that I have not, here we go. So um, many, so this is the thing, I wanna go, China has all this amazing new architecture that yes. is, is fascinating and modern. And I just am dying to travel through China. I'm going to wait on that though, you know, a few years. Also <laughs> um, Greenland, mm -hmm. which I should have gone a few years ago because who knows if ice is going to be there when I finally get there. Um, Kazakhstan also is another place. Papua New Guinea, and I was very close this past winter, but um, there was a little turmoil there. So I just, I figured I'd wait a little. Let's go see what else that I have. Um, Iran, I definitely want to go to Iran. I actually was going to ask you about that because I mean, they have incredible mosque architecture there. Yes. At this world. And after, so my first true exposure to mosque architecture was in Istanbul. Which mm -hmm. oh my oh my god it's incredible the, yeah. the mosque architecture in Istanbul and that's just another uh, religious monument that you could just go through that it's yes. it, it's incredible but Iran yeah and I know that I have uh, Iranian friends in New York of course and the nicest people it's I do not let politics speak for a culture or a, a people. It's you, you can't. It's just the government's one thing, people are another, and Iran is absolutely on my list. Also, Lalibela, Ethiopia. I want to see the uh, the churches that are built underground, the churches of Lalibela, which those also I keep watching um, documentaries on them and how they actually built it out of the ground. And, and I have not been to uh, Sao Paulo. I've been to Brazil, but I have not. Huh. I need to go to a big city like Sao Paulo, but 
again, another place I'm going to wait. All just more material for, for the photographs, for the churches, and, you know, for your travels. So very exciting stuff. We are going to keep on the lookout about your book, keep updated on the website, on all your social media, and see what you're up to. People can follow you at Richard Silver Photo, and you're that across the board on Facebook, Instagram, your website. So it keeps it nice and easy for people to see yes. what you've been up to. Thank you so much for your time, Richard. I'm, I'm happy we were able to catch you while you're while you're here. Otherwise, who knows where in the world you would be normally, but we're happy to, to have you here and hopefully we'll be able to speak again soon. Absolutely, I really appreciate your time. Jessica, thank you so much. This was really great. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with photographer Richard Silver. Keep an eye out for his book, Vertical Churches, which should be released sometime this year. As always, you'll find links to all of Richard's social media in the description, and we'll find some of the photos we talked about on the Top Artist Podcast Instagram. We'll be back in two weeks with another interview with one of today's top creatives. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review for the podcast if you like what you heard. And while you wait for the next show, get your daily dose of art and culture on mymodernmet.com. See you next time.